Hey guys. Hey guys. Welcome back to the Selfie Show. It's Tori and Sam. Two besties bring you all things healthcare, humor, and unpopular opinions. Mm-hmm. Always on brands. <laughs> this one's really on brand for I the know. moment. I was just annoyed when you even like brought it up. I know. This is why we had to talk about it. So salty. Okay. Or like what's going on in pop culture and you're like, I don't know, the Ariana thing. I'm like, Grande? You're like, <laughs> No, no, Banner Pumps, Ariana, and then and I was scand- like the scandal of it all, blah. which we haven't talked about at all yet. So obviously, yeah. Okay, so what's your unpopular opinion about it? My unpopular opinion is that reality TV sucks now. It's not even. It's okay. My actually, it's not even reality TV. Yeah, it is all so scripted, and I'm like, okay, I get with that thing. There was a cheating scandal. I don't know quite the details, but obviously there was a cheating scandal. And I get that they're real people that are really married and there was probably real cheating and betrayal, but still all the isms around it, right. it's all so scripted, like all those shows. So I just <laughs> can't even watch them anymore. And I used to love like, okay, real world back in the day, yeah. my jam, like in the 90s. It came out I'm in 19, like, 1992. Yes. Whoa. Good, good old days. Yeah. And I'm talking like real world, like Hawaii and stuff. Survivor. Like, Survivor came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like a freshman in high school. To the uh, uh, Real Housewives of OC first. Yeah, in 2006. So I was already like in college. And I, Real Housewives of Orange County, season one, mm. phenomenal. Vicky, Vicky screaming huh? about the van not being big enough for their fa- family van. And then she's talking about her love tank not being filled up. Yeah. And it was all authentic like none of that shit was really scripted it was kind of a hot mess and like season one of atlanta housewives yeah. nini was Nene. my girl she's calling out kim zolciak's wig love it and all that it was iconic like, those were the good old days yeah and now, when do you think it started getting scripted when it got popular mm-hmm. and they were like oh we got to control these narratives because then you brought up jersey shore and i'm like that was definitely scripted right obviously they let them like do things but there were so many rules like and snooki then even- i don't know how like snooki to me, was like, there's no way you could have scripted all the things that she did, though. No, you know and I mean? like they pick people who are gonna do entertaining things, but there's so much more controlled. Like that whole the note, the Jersey Show, the yeah, note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like sure. there. All this stuff has come out now that it was like, like how did they get that? They didn't have access. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that yeah. was all like by design to stir up drama. Right. And now I like I don't subscribe to any of it on mm. all the love is blind. love is blind See, I, I, I agree with you nah. there. i'm not into it i don't and know i don't think s- people go on that show really looking for love they want to go and get a social media following they mm-hmm. want to get a name for themselves they want it to lead to other business right even the bachelor all that shit they're going on there for their self-promotion not because they want to find i never turned love. into a bachelor girly i've never Mm-mm. watched one episode of the bachelor my entire life I i'm have. actually proud of that <laughs> I am. That is my flex. And I'm sorry if I think I'm better than you, but I, I do. This. I am not. A, <laughs> I, I used to watch it, I think, with my my girlfriends back in college days when it was like really popular. And then it just wasn't something that I ever followed up with. I genuinely kind of feel like people early, early, early on in the show were like really wanting to make like a love connection. Right. Now I'm like, no, people just want to get clout. They want a name for themselves. Like you don't go on reality TV. Yeah. And I like some of the competition shows. Like, I've always been a Project Runway girl. Fucking love Project Oh, yeah. Runway. The competition shows are competition great, Competition shows are cool yeah. because it's like you're when getting you're the opportunity. Creating like, the, the cake ones and then yeah. the ones, the design ones where they're creating yes. clothes. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I love but that, Everything, too. all the dating ones, I'm like, you're on yeah. there for your own purposes. You're not really going on there to find a love. 
So here's my thought on it. I am a Bravo slut. I used to be. I used to be. I love Bravo. Bravo to me production, although I will say this, okay, over the past, I'd say maybe like five years, it's slowly gotten, I I would agree with you. I think it's getting way more scripted. It's not as fun. Mm -hmm. I love, yeah, Bravo in terms of like Vanderpump. Vanderpump was like essentially irrelevant. Like no one was watching. And then all of a sudden this scandal happens. And obviously team Ariana, because there is no other team, like we're not voting for any other team because we love Ariana. But I would agree with you. I think it's it's becoming more scripted. However, I still love it. I love for me. I'm a Vanderpump girl. And so is Jacob. Jacob is a Vanderpump girl. Now we are rewatching the seasons. We're starting back at season. I don't think he appreciates you like telling the world that. Oh, he absolutely would love that. Like Jax back in the Jax and Stassi days. We are absolutely rewatching that right now. But it's kind of we feel a little invested with them. We like this cast. I also really love Southern Charm. Yeah. No, they're all there's a bunch of really I love there's certain shows on Bravo Mm -hmm. that I think for me I will always I used to love but it's just I can't I'd rather watch real good shows with good writers and good actors Mm, yeah like the only reason that it's like reality tv is because these people are not skilled in acting so they're not actual actors so it's like oh this is supposed to be you doing your real life but we've written it for you i think i would always choose a a really good like documentary over a reality show i would agree with you there and i hate to be like the oh my god i feel like i'm so much like pick me yeah Totally. Let's pick me energy. <laughs> but I used to like Ria. Like, I was the biggest housewives. Yeah. Ho. Stay- loved all of them. And I just don't like the how new... the, just everything and the card, you and your Kardashian. I just don't yeah. like any of it. I'm like, this all just feels fake. I'd rather, yeah. like, I'm busy. I don't have time for this shit. I'd rather watch like a really good scripted show. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I lo- there's something for everybody, right? Yeah. Like, we love that for you. I think that's good energy. But I will say it's a specific thing for me now in terms of reality. Like I there's certain things I cannot watch. And I agree with you. I'm not here for love is blind. I'm not here for like a lot of those new ones. I'm not here for The Bachelor. But I do like this. Maybe it's like I like that slightly scripted version of Bravo production. I don't know why I like it. I've always liked it. It's like mindless, dumb TV that I love. See, I like when back in the day, they truly just used to be like, let's let these people do whatever the fuck and see what happens. And I felt like it was way more interesting. On Real World, you're just putting a bunch of random people really together and be like, well, good luck. Let's see how this goes. And it used to be really entertaining. I wonder how much more entertaining Jersey Shore would have even been if there weren't so... Should we rewatch some of these? I feel like we got to rewatch. Honestly, some of that. I'm not opposed. I, 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 I miss the old days Me for too. sure. I know. Mm. We're we're nostalgic. God, for these this things. is how I'm getting old. I go out to eat and I'm like, oh my god, the music is so, so loud in here. I can't even hear myself think. And I like want to be that person, the waiter. Can oh they just turn the music down? I love you. And then now I'm like complaining about how much better TV used Was to be back in our day. And then I go to the gym and I complain about the music. When we were walking uphill in God. the snow on the way to work. When did I become such a bitter old boomer? When footballs were rocks. Yeah, we're we're aging ourselves now, but Damn. we love it. I, love I know. It. Well, you saw my gray hair earlier. Honey, hair. we are fine. Ha- we're calling them silver. And they're beautiful. We love it. Okay? Hmm. We're embracing right. it. Right. We're embracing it. Well, anyways, that's it. That's my unpopular opinion. I love it. Hey, this is why we talk about it. Actually, my I... real unpopular opinion is all TV's overrated. Okay. I don't and even I... like TV. Oh, there you go. But okay. But I... that's another. You'll take a show. You'll... But you'll take a show. I'll take... I like documentaries. I love documentaries. God, I'm getting old, you guys. <laughs>
My unpopular opinion is just that I'm an old bitch now. Uh, we love this. But you know what? I guarantee you half of the selfie fam feel this way as well. So we got we got house divided. We're okay with that. This no, is, yeah. This is on brand for us, Every right? pot has a lid. Every pot has a lid. Okay, today's fun one. This yes. is a little different than our typical show. No, and we're going back to our roots because we're talking yeah. NICU. Yeah, we're talking so NICU. yeah, today we have on Nurse Tia. She is TikTok NICU mm-hmm. extraordinaire girl. But Tia is a NICU transport nurse, an assistant nurse manager, and an orientation coordinator. She's been a nurse for over 10 years and has spent the majority of her time working with neonates. She has her master's in nursing education and focuses her time on creating mental health protection education for her unit's newest hires, which desperately need to start seeing in all hospitals. Right. 100%. And backstory. So Tia and we became familiar with Tia, obviously, on TikTok and since then have become really good friends with her. Her most recent work on her NICU orientation journal was featured as a poster presentation at the annual Academy of Neonatal Nursing Conference in 2002, which is amazing. So today we are getting behind the scenes on what it is like to be a NICU nurse, like modern day perspective. We're getting into tips for new grads and new NICU nurse hires, common nurse myths about NICU nursing. We get into those. There's a really fun interview and resume tips. And we're combining all of our three experiences into this one fabulous episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Miss Tia to The Selfie Show. Thank you so much, Tia, for coming on the show today. We are so excited about sort of a NICU roundtable answering all the things. We, I think you and I get so many of the same questions. And so and we've known each other for a long time. So we're really excited about this episode. On Transport Girlies Unite. Love, <laughs> yeah, I love anyone so- that wants to talk transport to me, talk dirty to me. Also, Tia, are you, because <laughs> you're swing, are you swing shift? Nights. Okay, okay, okay. I was thinking you were mm-hmm. swing for some reason. Okay. All right. Well, we got to kick it off with our iconic question. We're recording this for the second time, you guys, because I did not press record. So we're going to try this again. <laughs> this is actually true. <laughs> but Tori worked three night shifts in a row and has slept like a total of two and a half hours. Yes, so, so we're giving I, her yes, grace so. today. We forgive so her. So yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Tia, so what is your unpopular opinion? All right. I got to speak my truth. And I think that brunch is massively overrated. It makes me sad and sad. It makes me sad. But That's let's, a fine yeah. word. But we got to hear. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So mm-hmm. let's, let's Okay, we got to hear the rationale. What? Why do we think this? Yeah. So I guess like mostly the social aspect of brunch. I am as a night shift worker. I don't want to roll out of bed any earlier than I have to and get cute and go somewhere to meet people. And it's just so expensive. And for what? It's all the same food that you eat for breakfast. Mm -hmm. But okay, bottomless mimosas. What are how how do you feel about that? No, yeah, I I, you got me there. Honestly, the problem (laughs) is capitalism. And why are there time limits? I feel like Mm. breakfast food. I should be able to order pancakes at dinner. Equal rights. At four p.m. at happy hour. So yep. I really feel like the problem is, is that they're trying to put us in a box and we don't need that don't negativity. Need I think if we could have breakfast at any time or if I wanted a cheeseburger for breakfast, mm-hmm. that is my right. <laughs> I should be able to have that. Why are we making foods attached to a time? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I was just saying this the other day, though, when I woke up unreasonably early for myself, it was like seven in the morning and all I wanted was ramen. 
and no ramen places that's... opened until noon. Yeah. See, mm. I think that's very valid. And I know that we're all a little messed up in life because 11 years night shift, night shift, mm -hmm. night shift. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. I don't attach time. I mean, when we have break at three in the morning. Yeah. And you're eating lunch. So I don't attach time to food. Like I actually went the other day on Friday night. All I wanted for dinner was cereal. And I don't normally oh, keep okay. cereal in my house. So I literally went to Target. I bought Captain Crunch and I had Captain Crunch for dinner so on Friday. And it, it was the best fucking decision I've made in a really long time. And I'm so happy with myself for that. So. I love this for you. I also, this is why I absolutely love Taco Bell. Shout out Taco yeah. Bell. Sorry, yes, Come Taco sponsor Bell. me because I literally going home in the morning with my Taco Bell, get my, like, that is my favorite thing to get in the morning when I come off because I don't want breakfast. I don't know something about it. I don't want breakfast food. I love my tacos in the morning. Okay. Also, like, I will give you, I, I know it sounds late to sit there and say oh we're gonna meet for brunch at noon so you have all morning i don't think you guys realize how no. i like to sleep in yeah if i have to be somewhere at noon it means i'm waking up at 10 15 to then get ready for an hour and then hopefully get there in time noon is not as late no? in the day as it sounds like to me that's still kind of early i'm more of a happy hour girl let's meet for happy, happy hour. hour okay yes. happy hour slaps that is that's that my best honestly, time Love this. Okay. If I had to choose like even dinner, I'm like, yeah. my mom and I are all about like, let's just go do happy hour. Yes. Like get all the appetizers, get your drinks Everything, half off. Yeah. Like, yeah, here for that. All right. You've mm -hmm. redeemed yourself. <laughs> Wait, I want to know what, what are you getting for brunch? Like, what's your order? What are you getting? Mm. Like, what's your go-to? That's the thing though. I don't even really like breakfast food that much. Oh, so oh, it's yeah, probably okay. always going to be pancakes. <laughs> pancakes never disappoint when we used to go yes. to breakfast after night shift we would always get we'd call sure. them table cakes mm -hmm. so we'd get like everyone would order their own food but we'd get the extra cakes. pancakes for the whole table so that everyone could just take some mm -hmm. pancakes in addition to whatever else they wanted table mm -hmm. cakes guys done love it revolution extra butter that's a perfect situation syrup. i'm a big bacon gal though mm -hmm. like oh. pancakes and bacon make me so happy in life and uh, my avocado toast slut. She's simple. We, yeah. There's not much to please you. I love this. Really. Yeah. I'm a lot more simple you than people give me credit for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for the audience who may not know you, Miss Tia, let's get the background. Let's, where are you from? Let's hear about your upbringing, all the goods. Sure. All right. So I currently live in New York, but I was born and raised in New Hampshire. I'm the oldest of Three girls started out in private Catholic school until I went to middle school, which was quite the transition. But it was kind of a, like a tumultuous childhood, I would say. My parents had a very like physically and emotionally abusive relationship with each other. And so eventually that just resulted in my dad being kind of absent from my life and my mom basically having to work extra hard just to like keep the lights on. And obviously that affected me profoundly that would have affected anyone but it was reflected in a lot of my relationships I had as a teenager my self-worth was basically non-existent I struggled a lot with just like feelings of depression generally feeling like I lacked control in my life I struggled with my sexuality and all of these things that when I look back now I can't even fathom a child having to deal with and like mm -hmm. I always knew there was something wrong with me but we just never had money to go for, to a specialist or anything like that so I grew up raising my sisters and just kind of putting myself last but I did end up making the what some people would think was probably a selfish decision to become the first person in my family to go to college so 
I moved 3,000 miles away to go to college. And I kind of think that saved me. I moved all the way to New York for school. I never went back. And it took me like well into my adult life before I ever felt like safe or comfortable enough to reach out for that professional help. Shout out to my Zoloft gang. But <laughs> gang, gang. I was more of a Lexapro yeah, girly myself. But... <laughs> it's team, oh. team. We're on the same team. It's all, it's all, we're all family. It's okay, my dog's know? on Prozac, so we're all family. Yeah. 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 We're still like unpacking a lot of stuff today, but that's where I developed this really intense passion for like mental health and self-care. It was a huge precursor to me creating all of this education that I create on my social media and for the new grads in my hospital so that's pretty much my origin story I guess I'll say yeah so Tori and I both went to private school growing up so I feel like we relate very similar her mm-hmm. to all-girl Catholic me to yeah. Lutheran Christian different mm-hmm. I are you religious at all now no no okay <laughs> I was like we're no. all kind <laughs> of in the same category no I just here. wonder yeah. when you said like you struggled with your sexuality or just how much uh, yeah it was hard growing up I reflect back on my growing up and Tories and I wonder I just wanted to get your opinion of how much religion played into some of those struggles or your upbringing or going to religious school where it's Mm -hmm. ingrained so ingrained in you yeah no it that affected me a lot I it took me a really long time to break away from that part of my life because it was just causing me all of this distress like mm-hmm. like this is just this is just who yeah. i am and this is how how i am and why am i why am i feeling guilty for that what am i supposed yeah. to do about that yeah the private school to no longer religious pipeline is very real yeah i feel like it's one of two ways though i feel like everyone i went yes. to junior high elementary school with it's is either went back and they are now teaching at the same private junior high elementary school that we attended and they all married each other and they all teach there or they they're me and they're like (laughs) hey i'm like literally this like feminist liberal yeah i i think what's interesting (laughs) is a lot of us in this category specifically millennial very much grew up in that picturesque every family perfect quote unquote family religious guilt nuclear family yes and it's interesting because we've talked a lot about this in terms of how our beliefs have have changed so much yes like we've known each other for 10 years and i could tell you we are completely different people no remember when we we used to argue with one of our rts who was super liberal and was like a big bernie sanders fan and we we used to make fun of him yeah we used to make fun of him and we were like we can admit we would give him like the worst shit we would just go and because we're farmers daughters daughters, and that's how we bonded and we were like america farmer's daughter like good old-fashioned republican conservative girls and 10 here we are 10 years later we're like oh my god yeah i don't even know we're just like i have this podcast where we're just like so i'm learning we're learning and i'm learning what it goes to show is it's okay to change your mind people think and i feel like if it's funny if people even looked at like the things we said or did back then it's like yeah and that's why actually we're not a big fan of cancel culture not that we ever did anything offensive or inappropriate but our political and social views were a lot different 2013 yes than they were currently 100 and it's okay to grow and evolve and that's what we love the most about this podcast is 
every time we have a guest on, we learn something new. We take something away. We get exposed to more. And yeah, I, yeah. Also, I think for me, feeling like I am so over the boxes, right? Like you mm-hmm. have to check a box to be in something. And for me personally, I just don't identify with that. And I the don't only know. Box I identify with is coffee addiction, <laughs> or like the when you go to the yeah. doctor and it's like, how many cups of caffeine do you assume per week? And it's yeah. like, yeah. 24 plus I'm like that's the only box I'm checking in my life these days yeah yeah I don't know what what's your thought on that in terms of like where do you feel like as a millennial woman like where are you at with all that I feel like it's hard because when I was being brought up all of the things that I was being taught I just felt like it was never meant for me like given my life circumstances and things with my parents relationship and their divorce and then Everything else that I've experienced in my life, like we didn't grow up with money. We lived in a trailer park and all of these circumstances and everything that would happen. I'd be like, I don't feel like this is about me. I don't feel like this is for me. This isn't describing me. And at that point, I was like, maybe I just don't fit in with whatever this narrative is. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of boxes that I'm kind of like in between like there's no place for me to necessarily check sometimes same yeah what did it feel like going away to college and the exposure to uh, you said New York yeah Mm. was that like just going away to college and being on your own and exposed to different things it was really hard at first. Like I said, I felt like a lot of guilt leaving my my mom and my sisters and they were just kind of like having to do things on their own at that point. And I would still send my mom like money for groceries and stuff like that. Like I had jobs on campus while I was in school, but really it just felt like so freeing. Like I didn't know what to do with myself almost. I kind of wanted to experience everything all at once, which was like not entirely healthy also. But yeah, Funny. just it... Sure. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I just, it felt like I was learning everything that life had to offer that I never, ever thought that I would get to experience. So Mm. I'm curious as, so you're the oldest, I'm the oldest. And I think there is some parallels in our upbringing in, in terms of marital similarities, also fan or sibling dynamics, right? Do you ever remember like a moment with your sisters where you're like, I'm caretaking, but like, is this what I should be doing? Like, why am I doing this? Or like, it was there a moment that you remember growing up that just like sticks out to you in that way? Oh, yeah, definitely. I have this one very vivid memory that sticks out in my mind when we were. I mean, my baby sister must have only been two or three at the time which would have made me like eight years old. And my parents were screaming and they were arguing. And I remember my mom threw a beer bottle at my dad or something like that. And I was like, okay, let's go. And I gathered my sister and we all went and we locked ourselves in the bathroom. And I was just sitting there with my sisters in the bathroom at eight or nine years old and thinking to myself, like even that young, I was like, this can't be right. This shouldn't be my job. What a, but mm-hmm. I've, as you can probably attest being the older sister it feels like your job like your job is to protect your siblings so yeah in terms of like your growth into who you've become now 
this is it sounds like a trivial question but i i do think it's worth asking do if you had to change anything when you were growing up would you have changed your circumstance it's so hard to answer that because only because i feel like where i'm at in my life right now is is where i want to be like i married to a man that I love who loves me unconditionally. We have a house that we built ourselves with our dog and I'm in a job that I love. So like all of these things feel like I don't know if I changed anything in my past. Would it have changed the person that I am today or Mm -hmm. like the circumstances that I'm living in today? But then there's the other part of me that thinks back to that eight-year-old girl that's with her sisters in the bathroom and it's like, yeah. I don't want her to have had have to have happening. suffered that either. Right. So it's yeah. it's such a hard question to answer. And I don't blame anyone for saying if they would change things in their lives. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What's your relationship like with your parents now? Has that changed or evolved or have they worked on themselves at all or is this something that's just status quo yeah I still have a good relationship with my mom we're not as close as I was when I was a teenager but we're still on good terms I have been no contact with my father since December so what's that that's like three three and a half months now or something like that so that's been kind of hard but I think it was the best choice for me so so yeah putting up those boundaries is hard it, it's weird because, and I also come from a household in very odd dynamics where I am the closest with my father, but he is also very hard on other people in like, he loves me unconditionally, but very, very hard on my mom and my brother. And I, lots of things that, lots of history, but it's weird because I love him so much, but I have had to do that. I've had to do boundaries, like big time boundaries. And that's that's a weird, really hard for people, our generation, because we didn't grow up with them. Nope. They weren't taught. They weren't talked about. It wasn't a thing. And as we've grown and evolved and worked on ourselves, we've had to learn that. And sometimes it's hard because that involves our parents Mm -hmm. or our people. Like I've had to make some with my family Mm because I like love my family, but things get very contentious with us on things. And it's, it's weird. Just I don't think that's easy for us or our generation at all. And I feel like nowadays, like the younger generations are getting raised with that concept in mind yeah. where we're like, it's like guilt. But yeah. then you it, it's it's hard. It's like yeah. a very conflicting feeling, right? You want your family to be together and you want to keep it. To, and you have been mm-hmm. ingrained to be the glue right Mm. you were the mediator and so i I really relate to that i really relate to being the mediator and keeping people together and then you feel guilty when you're like i need to do my own thing yeah it's very weird but good for you i think a lot of us were raised to believe that we're supposed to be taking care of our parents because they took care of us but then there's there's all of us who weren't taken care of so I think there's a lot of guilt in that and a lot that people don't understand because you. I always get comments like, well, he's still your dad. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, technically but... there was like sperm met an egg and I was created, <laughs> but there's a lot more to it than yeah. 
then technically it's hard, but it is hard. Well, I'm curious too, because so like you, I I feel very fortunate, very lucky to have married a very good man. In terms of relationships, how did that, like, was there a moment where you, because I'm sure like many of us, we had the toxic relationships, right? And we went through them. But in terms of how did you find yourself and maybe like in a good relationship, how did you know this was a good one? Like, what was that process like for you? So I feel like I I developed this this attachment style where I could not be alone. I was so used to people that were just leaving, like my own father and my stepfather and stuff like that. So I I realized that I couldn't be alone. So I jumped from relationship to relationship, which was obviously very unhealthy. And when I graduated from college, my boyfriend at the time broke up with me. And I was immediately like, well, I'm out of college now. Where am I supposed to meet someone? What am I supposed to do? I created an account on (laughs) eHarmony.com and I met my husband in the first two weeks. He was like one of three people that I actually spoke to. And there was just something, I I don't really know how to explain it. There was just something different about him, about the way that he looked at life and the way that he had actual like dreams and goals like he wants to be a screenplay writer which I think is amazing and he also had his own past with girls that he dated that that I I won't get into obviously but he had he had his own stuff that he'd experienced and I remember we had been dating for a year and he asked me to move in with him And I was making like this contingency plan in my head because I was moving two hours away to move in with him. And I was thinking like, okay, so if we do this, like, I'm going to be even further removed from family, any of the friends that I had made at that point. Who is going to help me move my stuff when he like breaks up with me? Mm -hmm. And I think it took a really long time for me to get out of that mindset, even up until we were... (laughs) He proposed to me and my first words were, are you sure? And he was like, yes, I'm sure, obviously. And I remember having a meltdown like a few months before our wedding and being like, what if what if we get married and then you decide this isn't for you and you'd fall out of love with me and you leave me because that's what that's what I'm used to. Like, what if that happens? Yes. And this is going to sound so like. He was joking. It's going to sound harsh, but he was like well, if that happens, then we'll just get a divorce. And I was like, but for me, for me, I was like, that felt yeah. like freeing. I was like, oh, he's not trapped. <laughs> he can leave. But, it but it's crazy in that of... moment you weren't thinking about yourself. That's crazy. <laughs> no. Do you feel more secure now in that relationship? Oh, yeah. We have been married for almost six years now. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that there's anything that anyone could say that would convince me at this point that this man would ever leave me. <laughs> so, Well, what's remarkable is the resiliency of people. How when, okay, let's talk nursing and stepping into your own, like, one, where was the decision to become a nurse? And then getting into that, NICU, how did we get into NICU? Yeah, so I am not one of those people who ever thought that they were like born to be a nurse. I know that's like a huge thing. And I think that's great. We love for that people. conversation. That was both of us. Same. Yeah. Never. Yeah. yeah. Didn't even think about it till I was already halfway through college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, I I think that's great for people. I always thought that I was going to be a journalist, honestly. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, and then I kind of got pushed into nursing because, like a lot of stuff in my life, it was heavily influenced by my life circumstances at the time and my own trauma. So when I was in my senior year of high school, my mom was actually pregnant with my baby brother, Ian. And we found out maybe like, I want, I'll say like a month before her due date that he was an FDIU. So a, a fetal demise in utero, if, if anyone's mm. listening and doesn't know what that means. So I have really vivid recollection of the principal pulling me out of my AP bio class. And my stepdad was there and he was crying and he was like, your mom lost the baby. She's at the hospital. We need to go right now. And really the rest of the day is a blur. I remember getting to the hospital and I remember holding Ian and I remember trying to muster any amount of like psychic energy that I had to just like will him back to life. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. And I remember the nurses that were there and I and how they treated my family and my mom and they were just so supportive and great. And I was like, wow, they really care. Like they actually care like about us. And we aren't living in this vacuum. Like, we're not alone. So that kind of jump-started my want to be a nurse. And I always thought that I was going to be an L&D nurse. Uh, yeah. Plot <laughs> like, twist. Like, thinking, think, <laughs> thinking back on it now, I'm like, that would have never been for me. Like, we're so... Di yeah, it's funny because I think NICU nurses get very much lumped into the same category as... L and D in postpartum, and it's funny because all three of us will say we are nothing alike. <laughs> yes, nothing about us is similar. <laughs> so, yeah, my third year, I think my third year of college was when we had our L and D clinical. In my very first shift of clinical, my patient had a demise. So I was like, "Oh, Whoa. this is this is what I came into this for. This is what I'm here for." And I, I was like, "This was my whole purpose up until this point, right?" So. I was ready. I was, I knew I was going to be emotional, but I was like prepared for it. And then mm -hmm. I just remember going through the motions and feeling so helpless, so completely helpless. And I, it just brought me back to that moment when I was holding my brother and I was like, I can't do anything about this. And, and I think that's when I knew that it wasn't a feasible career option for me because I needed to be the person whose hands were in the bed on the baby, giving them their best chance at life. So I, I went and shadowed in the NICU. I, they, our school only let us shadow for one day, but it only took one day. I knew that that's mm -hmm. where I needed to be. It's like a light switch went off in my brain, and I was like, "This is it. There is nothing else. Yeah, there I never is only back. this." Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's funny because I, I feel like so many of us. I just saw like the. It, I think it was the Gaines who put this. It's, it's a meme. He's a memer, and he, basically the running joke is like nurses these days and it was like millennial women all older like the oldest daughters with trauma and i'm like Tori. here we are we're all living up to the stereotype very well but i feel like what's interesting is i think it it makes really really good providers i actually think the things that we've been through all three of us separately and i would argue everyone listening to some degree has been through certain things in their lives how has that shaped you as a NICU nurse? Like what, when you're going through your day-to-day -day practice, like, and all the things you've been through, how has that shaped you? I feel like every time I go in there and I have a baby, I imagine that that baby is my brother. And I, I try to give care that I 
would want him to receive, like care that I can really be proud of. And I feel like I have a little, I'm able to make connections with parents a little bit easier. We always have, not everyone copes the same way. And sometimes you'll have parents that get deemed difficult by the staff. And I feel like my previous experiences have helped me to put myself in their shoes just a little bit more and be a little bit more empathetic with them so it's definitely Mm -hmm. it's definitely helped in that sense it's funny that you bring that up I in, in sort of a similar coin something that I've really really tuned into lately is our drug addicted mothers as well as we've had some moms with a lot of mental health and then IVF moms and it's interesting because I did egg freezing and and it, and have been through all these things and i can i love the the rhetoric that we get from our own co-workers on the parents who are quote difficult mm-hmm. and for me i see that as like okay like it's almost like a challenge like can i connect with them like i actually find it's the opposite for me where i'm like okay let's let's see if you know, where they're at, where can I level with them? Where can I find that piece, that thing that is going to, that is going to help us connect so I can actually give the best possible care to their baby. It's, it's almost like for me, it's like kind of narcissistic of me, but I feel like I'm like, I love that moment where I'm like, I know I can connect with this person on some level and dig into the, the crap that I've gone through and, and help them in some way. You know what I mean? But it's not even necessarily are they difficult? It's do they feel like no one's actually listened to them? Right. Are they being understood? Yeah. Yeah. And heard. I really want to go into a couple questions, some NICU things. So I've collected over some time some good NICU questions. So let's start with tips for maybe a NICU interview. Like what are some good basic tips that you've got? If someone's out there, they're like, all right, NICU's for me. This is like what I'm going to do. What are some good tips for them? Yeah. So I recently took on the role of assistant nurse manager. So I've actually had the experience of getting to sit in on some of our interviews recently. So I feel like this is a good (laughs) question for me to answer. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. And honestly, my biggest tip is just what you said. When you go in to interview, we want to know that you want to work in the NICU. There's so many people that will come in and they're like, I'm looking for a fast-paced critical care environment. And we're like, cool, you could find that. There's like six different ICUs you could find that in. But why do you want to work here? And I feel like when I say that, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't have like a life experience or a story that like relates me to the NICU. And like, if you just tell me that you love babies, that's something to me. Okay, Just something that lets us know that this is a population that you're passionate about and that you want to work with. Because Mm -hmm. NICU is, is a lot of people want to work in the NICU. I feel like very popular. We get tons and tons of applications. We've trained probably... 90 nurses in the past three years so far just to our NICU unit Wow! so mm-hmm. it's popular so it's really important to make sure that people know that this is where you want to be as opposed to anywhere else that you could possibly work honestly that's my biggest tip this is something that we have talked about several times and I've said several times but I, I will always stick to this 
to me in my personal opinion, especially for all the, the newer people out there, passion always trumps experience. Like I want the person who wants to be there so bad and will do anything to be there. Even thinking about someone who maybe has some experience, say L&D, da 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 and, and you're talking to someone else who is literally trying so hard, they're just like, would live, eat, and d- like, I want that person. I want the person who wants it so bad. And I feel like that's some, it's very underrated to have passion in an interview. But I think that's something that I, I agree with you. I think showing your passion is 100% like, that is your your biggest asset and and holding on to that. Make it personal. Yeah. Immerse yourself in NICU culture and world before that interview. Mm-hmm. So you can say, like, speak to Nan, go to a conference as a student, yeah. do immerse yourself in the NICU world so that they already know, hey, I'm not even in the NICU yet, but I'm already out there learning and trying to be involved because this is the population that I'm passionate about. And then you have to also be very specific to that hospital, not just, I just want any NICU that'll take me. They want to know that you've done Why the there? homework on that hospital. Well, you guys have a level three NICU that does this, or you have a level four NICU that does this. And I know that you guys take these kind of patients and blah, blah, blah. And her is special about that hospital, but that makes it a lot more like, oh, they actually want to work here. here. Mm-hmm. People yeah, like discount and- that so much in preparing for interviews. Absolutely. And and always having questions as well. Like like Sam just said, know the NICU that you're interviewing for. Ask questions. If you know that you're, the NICU you're interviewing for takes ECMO, ask, how long will I be working here before I'll be allowed to train on ECMO? Like, mm-hmm. just like those questions. Attend that deliveries, make an, one wallet, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that make the interviewer think this is probably a long-term thing for them. They, they yeah, actually want to work engaged. at this place. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the flip side of that question, what are some things not to say in the interview <laughs> or things that might turn you off as an as a manager where you're like, maybe this isn't a good fit? Yes. So I am one of those people who feels like they need to talk a lot to feel like any awkward silence. But one thing that drives me crazy is when people feel like they have to do the same thing so they can't take time to think about an answer and they just say that they don't have one or they don't know. I'll sit there for 15-20 seconds if you got to take time to think compose an answer because I understand that it can be a daunting thing and you're being put on the spot. Totally understandable but if I ask you what is a conflict that you were in recently and how did you get through it? Tell me what your process was and you're like gosh, I'm just not a, I just, I don't ever get in conflict. I'm just not one of those people. I'm going to be like, come on, we've all had some conflict before. Just Mm -hmm. take a few seconds. I'm giving it to you. Stuff like that. That being said, always come prepared with a conflict that you faced so that you can talk about that because they're always going to want to know. Yeah. And you can tailor it a little bit, but I, it's, I think when you've actually thought out, I love the creative answers, by the way, and you can always take time before the interview to really prepare that. Like, I love a good creative conflict answer. Well, I think the biggest mistake is just giving a general answer and not a specific example. So many people speak in generalities and not specifics like, oh, well, sometimes when we don't agree on 
what to do for this and then we kind of just decide to listen and kind of no i want it's like no 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 i want an actual story like a specific that time story along with the charge nurse your professor your yeah and then like specific this is why we didn't get along this is how we handled it this was the resolution and the outcome give the specifics but so many people just speak in a general like well usually if i don't agree with someone i try to understand why Mm -hmm. they don't why they think the way they do and i try to meet them in the middle it's like no 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 that was not a specific example Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's the biggest yeah fail i see i'd agree i think it's also very telling another question that we ask is tell us about something that you've done that you're like really proud of or something like that when in reference to like maybe during your clinicals with patient care so when is the time that you went above and beyond or something like that and I always preface it because I'm like this is going to be feel really weird but when I ask you this question I'm really expecting you to brag about yourself just Mm -hmm. go all out and they're just like well and then they just they don't have they don't have anything they weren't expecting to be asked that and I'm like what Maybe this is kind of a general question, maybe silly question, but in in one that I we get all the time. But what is your favorite part of working in the NICU? What do you love about it? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I love that it makes me use my brain. I always want to take care of, like, the most acute babies because I feel like I'm constantly thinking. I'm constantly, like, watching their monitors, looking at their labs, and just trying to make connections, keeping in contact with the physicians. On a not bedside basis, I love doing transport because I love just the autonomy that comes with it. Being the person that gets to like make the decisions and do the procedures, I I just love basically, I, I don't know, being in it and being part of the process, helping the team that com- to come up with the decisions. Because I don't think a lot of nurses can say that they get that same, like, I don't think they get that agree. same voice a lot of places. I think that is unique yeah. to the to our unit. What about you? What do you think? For which part? My favorite part of the NICU? Or just favorite part like- of NICU. And then also maybe on the aspect of transport. like I think for NICU, by far, it's the long-term outcomes it's there's long-term gratification i think you can work in a lot of other units and if you discharge them and you never know what happens to them ever again mm-hmm. and in the NICU i nine i have babies that are eight years old that i still yeah. go to their birthday parties and that long-term gratification for transport by and far the autonomy i love just getting to do what right. i needed to be done and make that call make that decision and just be out there it was very high intensity, high acuity, because we're dealing with like very critical situations. And I love just the fast pace and again, the autonomy. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think my, I love the aspect of NICU where you could have potentially a very stable patient, a PO feeder, you're doing bath time. And then, (laughs) and then you could have like my shift, like last night where everything's fine and dandy and then 5 a.m rolls around and you're coding your patient literally 
because of a clogged tube. So it is crazy to me too of how unpredictable NICU is. And it is something where I think presumably a lot of people think that NICU is very, I don't know, calm or you're just, oh, baby, baby's cute. No, no, no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I love level three, level four in terms of intensity. I like the higher level NICUs. That's just my preference. But I like the unpredictability. It keeps you on your toes. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a f- three great shifts and literally 5 a.m. I'm coding my patient. Like it was just it's it's just how fast things can happen. Mm-hmm. And it does force you to be on your toes. So I like that personally. Give a little adrenaline rush. Ian. What would you say is the biggest challenge for you working in the NICU? What's something that you feel is like the biggest hurdle as a NICU nurse? Good question. I feel like personally the biggest challenge for me is is not being able to do the things that I really like to do as often because I do so many other things. Honestly, sometimes you load I, that plate up. Oh God, yep. <laughs> I love doing delivery room. I love sprinting to overheads, and like I feel like most of the time I'm like in charge these days, or and which I I don't mind being in charge. But I started doing NICU to take care of the babies, and I think I don't know, maybe I made myself a little too valuable. But that's the only. Damn it, we hate it when that happens. That's <laughs> the. <laughs> That's the only thing that I can think of that's really like the the biggest thing that bothers me. I think for me, it's the grind. I think what's interesting is in nursing, you go through nursing school and you're constantly doing, 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 going, 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 just trying to get the job, get the job, get the job, passing clicks. And then you get the job and like you're trying to learn, 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 and you're trying to become good at everything. And then it's like all of a sudden one day, I don't know what it was, but you just realize, okay, you're there. And then it's like, now what? For me, that's kind of when the burnout starts hitting. And for me, it's battling the burnout. It's like, how do I keep this so I still continue to love it and continue to maintain that type of mentality every day when I come into work? How do I keep that? For me, that I think that's been, because I love what I do. I love the NICU. I love all these things. But There is an element of exhaustion, especially working nights. And how do I keep and maintain that love for it? Because we all hit our burnout moments, I think. For sure. I think to answer that question, the first part at the beginning, it's just the learning curve of you don't learn NICU in nursing school. Yes. So even though you just graduated with even a four-year bachelor's degree or whatever, you don't know anything. You can learn the little side things that you can about being in the NICU, but Everything that you've learned, even in terms of med math and pharmacology, like none of that, that all goes out the window. So you're basically starting over. So I feel like the learning curve's huge. And then it's taking those first couple years to get in your comfort zone. Once you get in there, though, then honestly, I feel like it touches on all of your parts. Then it's to your point is taking on too much and doing so much, being everything, Mm -hmm. doing super user of everything, preceptor, being on every specialty team being on all the committees, clinical nurse for doing charge, all that stuff. And then how do you then balance the burnout after you've done all of those parts? Mm-hmm. And balancing the burnout is the hardest part. And for me, it was a matter of I couldn't anymore. I had to leave. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. never gonna be happy where I was anymore. I had to leave. Would I have been happy maybe leaving to a different NICU? Possibly. 
I'm really glad I ended up in transport because that's probably been my favorite nursing career as much as like NICU has my heart. But mm -hmm. I, for me, I didn't balance it and I had to, I had to go. Yeah. Well, and that's why today I thought was really cool because I do think having the three perspectives from nurses that we're all in similar, we have a lot of similar backgrounds, but also like very different routes. So I think that's a really good thing to talk about, right? Like I 100% agree. I think, and we came from the generation too of do more and more and more. Oh, mm -hmm. we're magnet. We're <laughs> quote unquote. So that means you're going to get certified. That means you're going to go back and get your master's. That means you're going to join this committee. That means you're going to do this. And it's just like we... For what? For what? what? Do I, like for what? Like, for what? I, I, some of the best nurses I know have their associate's degree, don't have a certification, don't do any committees, don't do any extras, anything. And, and guess they're, what? They're fucking amazing nurses. Yeah. So it's, yeah. that's all yeah, yeah. a sham to get you to do more, more, more for free. For free. Yeah. <laughs> all the extras for free. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. To Real your person. point, I just we just did our yearly or annual evaluations, right? And you have these nurses that have to come up with goals for their next year to go on their evaluations. And they're, they're just now become comfortable in the NICU. And now you're like, okay, what are you doing next? Like, and we're, we force them to like, make these goals. Yeah. Can my goal themselves? just be like, like being a good nurse, showing up to work on time, taking really good care of my patients mm -hmm. and going home? And loving Why job. is that not enough? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. What's been the, I mean, I, it's kind of interesting because what has it been like for you sort of working management? Because that, that's like a whole new enchilada, baby. Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's really hard because when I took the job, I felt like I had all of these like big ideas. I mean, I, I had just graduated with my master's in nursing education and I had all of these plans, like I wanted to create simulations for our nurses to kind of go through and practice like speaking with parents. I wanted to create education on our new, not new, but like I feel like we're seeing more frequently now our parents who are comfortable coming out to us as transgender. I just had all of these ideas and I have made zero movement since starting in management. We've been basically so short-staffed lately that there isn't a day when I'm not in an assignment or in charge. I think that's validated everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. We're all, yeah. I mean, it is, it is crazy. It's so weird how this happened. It's, and it's funny because I feel like for a while, NICU felt like we weren't in that box or in that category after COVID. Like we didn't have that kind of effect that, that the adult world did. And now, like looking at every single NICU I know and is struggling for st with staffing, with education, with lack of support, like it's everywhere right now. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon either. Mm -mm. No. The only education I have been able to create and the only reason that it, it got done and out there is because it was my capstone project for my master's was the orientation journal and the mental health classes that I created for our new orientees, which I'm grateful to finally be able to teach. But that's on top of the time that I dedicate to the unit. So it's just it's more stuff that I'm doing because I feel that it's important. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's it's so hard because I feel like I had big reasons to go into management and I'm just like I'm grasping them at this moment. <laughs> It's hard for me to say this, but I know so many who are in the exact same boat that you are, who mm -hmm. have the 
strongest intentions to do better for their unit, for their nurses, for patients, because ultimately everything is coming down to the patient and they get burned out, exhausted. Their hands are tied. You're going into a situation where you just, you can't do the things you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know. Something's going to have to give, right? In terms of down the line, like how wonderful wouldn't it be to have a hospital that supports education and nurses and allows us to really like really focus on the patient like I can't wait for that one day where there's a hospital that just and every nurse wants to work there because they pay well I read recently that new grad nurses last about on average and not all of them there's some that last less and some that last way longer way way longer but average about two years at the bedside before they leave nursing profession entirely and back in our day everyone has been Never there left. for 35 years until they retire. And I think it's because the new generation is like, oh, Not fuck this. this. But I think until hospitals pay more yeah. and until be, there comes federal mandated nurse patient ratios so that all hospitals have to comply with safe staffing. So until there's like federally mandated safe staffing ratios and hospitals pay their nursing staff better this problem is going to persist. And that's, I mean, and also with education, like I even know hospitals who do pay well Mm -hmm. and do treat their, but then the issue is becoming they don't support continuing education. They're not supporting their nurses in ways to actually continue to drive Mm -hmm. evidence-based practice forward. And it's frustrating. And a lot of us who actually do want that, it's going to drive people away. Like it it will. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just because we go into this to care for our patients the best way we can. Wow. We're going deep today. I love this. This (laughs) is good. I love it. I specifically Um, remember sitting in my interview for the NICU and them telling me like, this is the... You'll never see longevity like you see in the NICU. We've had nurses that have worked here for Mm -hmm. 60 years. And now, I mean, just the other day in a meeting, someone said that nurses today just don't want to work. Like these new nurses just don't want to work. And I'm like, no, they just don't want to work at a place that treats them like crap. Yep. I want to almost tell the people that do that, go do one of their shifts and tell me if you want to do this. Mm-hmm. It's not new nurses are lazy or, they just or, don't want to work. It's no, like, no, no, or it's the people who are at the bedside like, oh, these nurses don't want to work. It's like, look, you've been doing this maybe let's call it 30 years, but the but the healthcare you started in isn't the healthcare that is now. That and you're ending. Yeah. You're ending your career. Guess what? We still have 35 more years of this and mm-hmm. it is a very different landscape than it was. I would argue now it's it's more exhausting. The demands are higher. The acuity is higher. The, the acuity is higher. People are sicker. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many compounding factors. We're constantly getting fed new technology, new things, mm-hmm. new equipment. There's, it's, it, is a ve- it can be very overwhelming. And so I think to all those people saying that, no, it goes <laughs> suck it. Like literally, like I no. I, maybe this is a good question for you and for maybe all of us to try and answer. How are you surviving in healthcare? Like how are you still like loving what you do and like, because I still love do I do love being a NICU, a NICU nurse, but I will say I hold some very key things to maintain that. So what are you doing to still love what you do? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it all comes back to remembering the reason that I got into it, and sometimes I just have to push aside all of like the the bull crap, like the bureaucratic crap, and remember what started my passion for this. Why did I want to do this? And is that still enough to keep me going? And that's this is what I tell 
our our new nurses all the time because we work through a lot of different mental health disorders that are seen in in nurses specifically and NICU nurses and we always end on burnout and I always tell them the biggest thing is is passion are you t- can you still remember this the reason that you started doing this and is that enough for you to stay for me it is but I know that for others it, it it isn't and that's okay for them to make that decision I would mm-hmm. never want to would never want anyone to force themselves to do anything that they don't feel like they're emotionally or physically capable of doing anymore. And then just feeling, just holding out and feeling like there's still good that I can do for our our newer nurses too, is basically keeping me going at this point. <laughs> and there is, I mean, we need more people like you in those positions Absolutely. for sure. I feel like your, your staff I would be very lucky to have someone like you. We mm-hmm. need more of you. We mm-hmm. need more leaders like you so the future leaders out there we love you and keep doing what you're doing because we need good leaders okay what about you sam for me remembering why i started it it isn't enough anymore i'll never go back to bedside nursing i won't i will start in only fans <laughs> and i'm not even joking i will legitimately <laughs> yeah, yeah. show all the ass and titties before <laughs> i ever go back to bedside and you know what i loved it it was exactly what i needed to do at that time in my life and if conditions were different in terms of leadership and i work in california so i can't really complain about safe staffing and stuff but those lines get blurred i know exactly like but i'm comparing to other states where they start off with a ratio of three correct babies and then push it past then yes so even our pushing it is to what other states is their standard right so we're we are spoiled but even then i don't think when we get pushed beyond it's not fun it's not enjoyable and so i think for me i i love the actual physicality of taking care of the patients having the relationship with the families like i love all of that i can't get over all the other stuff anymore i'm just not in a place where i can anymore I love that. so i'll That's i'll never talk. go back <laughs> and i loved it but i i genuinely am very happy with what i'm doing now because i still work in healthcare i'm in med device sales but the device i sell literally is saves lives it's used in the intensive care units in pediatrics neonates and adults i'm really actually still getting to have a direct impact on people's quality of life like morbidity and mortality and i'm being challenged in a new way that i've never been able to to be challenged in this sales world, in this corporate world. And I like it. And I like that I've had that this degree has allowed me the opportunity to do both when something else wasn't serving me anymore. I was able to find something that it is. But I'll always like fondly look back at my NICU days, especially transport. I freaking sobbed like a baby when I quit that job, like was devastated, but it was just the right time for me. But I think, yeah, for me, I... I don't get by anymore. I left and I won't go back. I love this conversation too because so I got to witness and I was a part of her bedside and the biggest difference and I will say and this is why I love these conversations is she is now genuinely appreciated and supported in this role that she's doing and you have been the amount of education she's doing now a leadership program and it's interesting because I'm like if if our management at the bedside and all of our leaders really took an interest in growing our people professionally and really actually caring and saying, yeah, you know what, we should take a day and just do some education away from the bedside. Yeah, you know what, we should actually invest in 
have you do some self-assessments? How are you doing? Like actually take the time for every single employee and actually give a shit about them. I think we would be in a much better place. I would have never left. 100%. I would have never left. And so, and these are the kind of nuanced conversations we need to have. I, for me personally, my mindset has very much shifted from where it was, right? So I was like Sam. I took on so much, so much, so much, did all these things. I was on the committees. I was a magnet queen. I was doing all of these parent education things. I was doing, you name it, I did it. And then I hit burnout. I did travel nursing. I started kind of seeing the world. Now I'm in a place where I'm going to do what's best for me. I love working per diem right now because that is freedom for my schedule. Mm -hmm. I love the freedom. I love being able to choose my schedule. If I want to work one day a week, if I want to work three days a week. Stop doing that. I know. I need to stop (laughs) doing three. Three is bad. Like I hearts out to everyone doing full-time nights. I cannot do that anymore. I will not do that anymore. I am very selfish with my decisions. I work for the highest uh, amount per hour. And if I don't like working in there anymore, guess what? I'm going to go and work remotely if I had to. I love my unit right now. I got, but there's still things we got to work on. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, is there opportunity in terms of financial? Like, am I making enough per hour? And do I have freedom with my schedule? Those are priorities. And I just am at that point where that is a higher priority to me than it used to be. I also really love being able to take advantage of doing educational things and potentially doing some. I I love being able to produce this show. So for me right now, like that's where my priorities are at. And I love being a little selfish with my decisions because ultimately at the end of the day, we know organizations do not your number, your number. But it I think you can like your degree allows you that and we've so much just sold ourselves to the hospitals and I'm like hey take on two per diem jobs if you need to and get that higher pay rate and pay for your insurance out of pocket because you can because you're getting paid more and I don't know work the system at the end of the day then you're not like stuck being like my vacation got denied I'll never work somewhere if you deny my vacation then I don't need to work for you yep like I'm just be selfish because you can give so much of yourself and get lost in that so be selfish because when you take care of you first, you can take better care of, of your, your patients. patients. Oh, yeah. And so it's like literally the on an airplane, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you help out your person sitting next to you. It's the same thing in healthcare. If you don't be selfish and take care of you first, you don't have enough left to give. And that's why you're there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I that's couldn't amazing. agree more. One thousand percent. I think that we should be making the, this selfish decision, quote unquote, because we're seeing so many nurses these days that are hitting their two-year mark and then they're going off to either travel or they're taking like a job that's completely away from the bedside and like mm-hmm. i think that's amazing when i was like in school no no one talks about that no one talks about that as an option mm-hmm. ever like it's always you're just trained to go yeah. work in med surge yeah. basically which mm-hmm. i i think that's the the death of of most nurses, mm-hmm. honestly, but Shout yeah, no, I yeah, we love our med surge nurses, but yeah, yeah, I want all of your best night shift tips. What do you got? We want, we need to know all the things you're doing. <laughs> okay, so what I do to prepare for a night shift, and I don't know if I'm crazy for doing this. I haven't really spoken to anyone who like does the same thing, but I like to stay up the entire night before, so like. Maybe I'll like take a small nap during the day or something, but then I'll be up until like six in the morning and then I'll just sleep the entire day and generally feel like 
ready to go for night shift. I always bring a coffee pod to work with me and then snacks because I feel like night shift is hard because you just want to eat all the time. So just making sure that you have like snacks that are not totally terrible for you as well. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was the snack queen. I was like joint commission who? Because I well, remember when I was doing keto. Towards she that. was like, doing the ro- you, pork rinds. Yeah. If you opened yeah. up my backpack, it was beef yeah. jerky, pork rinds, <laughs> cold brew, like yeah. dark chocolate. Yeah. I had snacks and fruit, a bunch she of fruit. Did, yeah. Yeah. I would say for me lately, what I've been doing, I kind of do similar to you. What I'll do is I'll stay up till like, let's call it two or three in the morning. Yeah. I would always stay up until like three or four. I yeah. was always a night owl anyways. Yeah. that's not hard for me anyways but then so i'll sleep uh, as long as i can and then i do like low energy things during the day before work so like a little laundry i'll work on some emails do some podcast stuff finish a paper whatever and then go into work so that's usually what i do and then if i'm coming off of a shift and i don't and i'm not back i'll try and kind of sleep like till about three is like the max like I try and then get up and try and have a little bit of normal time so I can go back to bed like normal ish quote hours you know yeah if I let myself sleep for as long as my body wanted to after a night shift I would never have a normal sleeping schedule I have to like wake myself up at like like at the latest like probably 2 p.m. or else my body will just yeah. never it won't not go back to sleep that night yeah if it's my last and I'm like done and I I would honestly wake myself up by like noon yeah so that I would be tired by like 10 11 p.m. and would actually fall to go to sleep and then yeah. going yeah. into it I would do the same thing I'd like sleep as late as possible but then I would actually try to like get up and go to the gym before yeah, you're crazy so that I, I could like anymore. be woo I would say my workouts are on off days, so they're more like I I can't, I personally, I can work out before I go in on my first shift, but then if I'm on a stretch, there's 0% chance I'm doing it anymore, but but I will say this too, another tip that I really have super, super honed in on, and I think for me is the most important thing that I have really, really, really tried to do is make my bedroom literally Mm -hmm. a sanctuary. Like good Zen vibes. I need my salt rock lamp, dark, cold, perfect, supreme sheets. I want them just fabulous. I want a little skincare routine. I'm going to wind down with my shower and eat a little something and try to do minimal screen time before bed. Oh, yes. Better at scout curtains. Love TikTok. Uh, Yep. Mm-hmm. A, a little spritz of lavender. Yeah. Blackout curtains. Ooh, that's a good one. Also, Shower. Go to Trader Joe's and buy the, are those called? Is it lavender? No, or like the center? eucalyptus. Oh, yeah. Ooh, buy the eucalyptus that. bundle for $4 at Trader Joe's and hang it shower. from your shower. So every time you love hot shower, it's like you're in a spa. Spa. Yep. yep. Give me the spa vibes. We I'm, will take like a little, whatchamacallit, help. So I do a couple of different yeah. things. I was taking Beam, which which is, they have a uh, capsule form. And they also have drink, but it's like CBD, melatonin, Mm -hmm. it's THC free. But so I will do that. Also, okay, my newest thing actually has been zinc, magnesium, vitamin D. It's like a supplement, but the magnesium, higher doses of magnesium. I've always been into Natural Calm, which is a magnesium supplement. That's very underrated. Yep. I think that's a huge thing. That's Most of actually us are actually helping. deficient in yep. magnesium. There you go. And then I'll say this too. I really love like a meditation or soundscape at night. So mm-hmm. 
I've been doing YouTube. It's it's called Deep Tones. And it's something about this particular vibration when you're sleeping. It helps with getting you into deep sleep and something about that sound that will help you stay asleep. I don't know. I really love it. I turn it on now for my babies at the bedside because we have little iPads. So for our super cranky babies, they get the deep tones. Everyone knows when they come into my room, like you can hear it like, oh, Tori's here because deep tones is on. Hey, but if it works, it works, we're playing. it. I love that on YouTube. So it's it's great. It'll work on my dogs. Maybe. Shit. Fuck. Yeah. I'm I'll trying this you. on Moses. It's something to do with the hertz. It's like a very specific hertz killable oh. that something about it that just helps you sleeping. Yeah. Send, that, send me that. We one. love tips. Post the link. Post the link. Yeah. Okay. Can show notes. I'll post it for you guys. Deep tones. I've been doing Nate's for seven years, and I just learned some new stuff. So I can't believe I did eleven years of nights. No, it's she. I see, and I've done day off and on. I'm back tonight, but it is. It's very hard on your body. I will say, it's gross. It is gross. I but I would have never done days. I'll say that as much like I had no interest. I never planned on switching to days. For someone who is trying to get into the NICU or maybe like you're talking to the nurse who is has experience in other units, what are your best tips for them to landing a job in the NICU? Yeah. So I had the unfortunate experience of having to work in med surge for two years prior to coming to the NICU because the NICU near me didn't take new grads at the time, which is... Yeah. <laughs> what I can say for certain is to work towards your strengths because the question I get these questions so frequently that are, are people that are like my NICU doesn't take new grads so should I start in this specialty or this specialty or this specialty like is it better to start in L&D should I start in peds instead like is it going to kill me if I start in like the ICU whatever mm -hmm. it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter because what you're going to do is you're going to play to the strengths that you've gotten from the year or however long you've been on those units. So you're going to talk about your ability to prioritize your great time management, your skills. Yep. Your situational awareness. You're still going to have um, to relearn everything anyway. Regardless of where you absolutely. are. So, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. you're going to have to yeah. relearn patho and relearn oh, yeah. everything. So those are the only transferable skills is saying, okay, well, on my ICU, it was adults, but I would typically get two patient assignment that was kind of like this and I had to prioritize. Those are the only transferable skills because nothing else. Yeah. NICU, you're always yeah. going to have to start over. Yeah. Yes. Always. Yes. Yeah. Unless you've worked in the NICU before, you're you're new. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. and then basically, like, yeah. When you do get that job, if your experience is from another floor, a lot of nurses see that like you're experienced and they forget that their population is so different. The first day that I came into the NICU for my orientation, someone handed me a baby and was like, feed this baby. And I was like, I've never fed a baby in my life. Really? I don't know what I'm doing. So date for yourself because they don't know what you don't know. So I mean, I didn't know how to change a diaper. I didn't have kids. So like, why the hell would I know how to change a diaper mm -hmm. becoming a NICU nurse? Mm -hmm. No idea. <laughs> and it's not no. like changing. I was an adult CNA. Changed a lot of adult diapers. Very big difference. Very <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Absolutely. Traumatizing. Well, maybe along that line, what's something that you want to myth bust about being a NICU nurse? I think that a lot of people think that because of our population that we're sheltered, kind of. And I will say that it was a little while before it even hit my NICU in New York with low staffing, but things 
that had to do with the pandemic and things like that. I feel like people think that we're just like these prissy nurses that come in and everything is perfect every day and they we don't realize that it's divas. You guys are It's literally divas. it is a war yeah. zone sometimes. <laughs> It is. Thank you. Yes. It yes. is. But if you guys spent one day in adult, I see you'd be like, adult land. Mom, oh, pick I, me up. Oh, I'm scared. I don't. I was it's literally, just, I, I don't. So you are a diva. I could not. So, yeah. I actually could not. Like I me walking through an adult ICU, adult ICU for work now, even though I'm just there Shout as a med rep, I'm adult. like walking through and I'm just like, Oh, I want to go back to the NICU. Please get me out. Yeah, thank God icky. for all of you who want to do that. I'm so happy. But yes. I just, it's not for me. It's funny Diva. because they were like would rather die than be in the NICU or peds. Yeah, I would like they're die like, oh my god. So yeah, well, funny. to each their own. And yep. here, that's Bless. that's the thing about nursing. Bless. Like, I okay, this is something that I would love to say. Okay, to all those professors out there who are saying if you go straight into NICU, you're going to quote lose all your nursing skills, or you should not be doing NICU as a new grad because you need to get a base. Okay, so first of all, here's the thing: what nursing skills are you losing? Exactly. There's <laughs> what what and second thing i don't want those nursing skills <laughs> i never do and i never will want them also like healthcare in general is just so specialized now like every single place you go is so different so that whole argument to me is like yeah that is fucking bullshit nope not here for it so if you want to go into it do it go get it get your job like, i just i'm not here for that conversation anymore no 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 I don't want those. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, what what skills am I going to lose? The ones I don't want? Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I lost all my CNA nursing skills Still, of being yeah. able to take care of a, like, 500-pound total care patient where I'm having to, like, use a Dog. Hoyer lift and all these things. It's like, I don't want those skills. I want, it. I want a baby that fits in my hands. Thank you. That's the mm -hmm. skill I want. Yeah. Who does Brady Deset and wants to die on you all the time. But, you know, here we're, we're here for it. Funsies. Yeah. Keeps it spicy. Yeah. Keeps I love it. Is there anything just... you want to myth bust? Anything like... Oh. Think People don't realize that NICU is everything. There's neuro, there's cardiac, there's the preemies, there's surgical, there's endocrine, there's literally every type of specialty where in adults, you're only taking care of surgical, you're only taking care of cardiac, you're only taking care of neuro. Like in NICU, you are taking care of everything. Mm -hmm. And Again, it's not all just feeding babies. It's a lot of, I mean, we, people don't even realize we do surgery yeah. at the bedside. Literally. Surgery at the bedside. Mm -hmm. yeah. The difference of 0.01 of fentanyl and 0.1 of fentanyl is death. Attention but to detail. I don't know any other unit on earth that gives 0.01 of a drug <laughs> ever, anywhere. So, or three mLs is like a bolus. <laughs> yes. So I don't think people realize like what we really do. I think even myth busting, everyone always thinks like, oh, well, night shift's like easier because it's like more quiet. I'm like, no, babies don't know the difference between 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. They're going to get sick and crump and That's circle the drain and code, whether it's 3 in the morning when you have a full staff there to support you or if it's 3 p.m. Like no one, they don't know time. It's not quieter or easier because it's night shift. I would shift. argue sometimes the babies, the babies at night act they a know. fool. Yeah. yeah, they do. They act up. They get sassy at night. Also, I would like to just say babies can be assholes and it's Absolutely. okay to call babies assholes yes like i love those assholes mm -hmm. but they have 
given me and hell. True, and before. true, Nick, your parents will tell you too. Like, oh, know. my baby's an asshole. Oh, yeah, know. my my girl's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, she's they a real know. bitch. <laughs> Whew. We love sassafras. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's great. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Social media and education. When did all this start? Like, I want to know, because this is how we discovered each other. Miss TikToker, Nikki Girly. I'm like, I love this for you. Okay, so let's go back. When did this all start? This all started during the pandemic when everything was just going terrible. I wasn't like on the early boat to TikTok or anything like that. I, it like scared me, honestly. I needed to do something for myself, like have some sort of outlet. And I was just listening to all of these trending sounds when I was thinking to myself like, oh, this is this would be perfect. Like, I can think of so many situations in the NICU that this would apply to. And then I posted, like, one video, and it, it got, like, over 100,000 views or something like that. And I was like, wait, there's, like, there's an audience out there for this. Like, people actually want to see this. And from there, I was just like, okay, let's let's do it. This I'm having fun, and people seem to appreciate it, so let's go. What has been, I want to, I'm kind of curious, what has been your most viral video? I love asking this question. My most viral video was a video of me and my my dog. And the caption was something like people wondering if I'm a NICU nurse, like, why don't I want to have children or something like that? And then the the I think the lyric was like already got one. And like I pointed at my dog in that <laughs> video for no reason whatsoever. got like five million views. Oh, <laughs> and I just like. And just uh, relatable. All content. of these people just arguing in the comments about about dog moms, basically, and it just oh became like this this oh huge God. like back and forth between all of these people. And I was like, "What have I done? What have I done?" Um, yeah, yeah. And that was the most unexpected attention from a video that took two seconds to film. That's so funny. I know. So sometimes good. the ones you work the hardest on, it's like, and then. Mm-hmm. For no reason at all, something pops off and you're like, why is this trending? But here we are. Mm-hmm. We love this. What is your, in terms of like social media, like I'm kind of curious because now you're in management. How's that been? Like what's the, I'm sure people know that you do produce content, but like what's that like for you? I have a very like strict set of rules like from my hospital basically that I have to follow, mm-hmm. which I'd honestly recommend any any nurse that's doing social media to follow but like i my management does know that i have like an instagram and a tiktok and then i make content and i do know that people that i work with follow me as much as it like scares me a little to see that they're following me but like there's no way to go and just like pick them all out and yeah. make sure that they're not you so they would um, make a face just, and yeah. do it anyway or I they would, would make a yeah. fake tiktok yeah. i wish someone would block yeah. me i'll still watch your shit yeah <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no way to control it. So I just try, I follow these strict rules, basically. I mean, obviously, no HIPAA. I mean, I try to avoid telling any stories. Same. Like, and anytime I can, I try to avoid that as much as possible. And then, no, I can't have my badge. I can't have any identifying features of my hospital. Mm-hmm. People basically can't know where I work. And then... I can't film at all while at work, of course. They don't want to see me not doing my job, which 
Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, those so, are all pretty good. Totally. Like, I feel like yeah. anyone, like you said, should take those same measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then just basically well, not posting anything that's sense. like in bad taste. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, just being sensible about it. But okay, so here's the thing, though. This is I I love these conversations, though, because Sam and I selfie energy here. I love seeing providers online. I love I love seeing all the doctors. I want behind the scenes. I want to learn about your life. I want to see what you do. Maybe that's something I would want to do one day if I was like 19 years old and I saw a NICU nurse online explaining what she does. I would be like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like. I didn't even know I could do that. Or how do I do that? And then all of a sudden you get these resources. It's like the nuanced conversation of like, yes, okay, we should be smart about it. But I do, there is absolutely a place for us. We should absolutely be there. And we love this energy. I'm really glad for what you're doing. I do think so many new grads and new nurses and people want to see and want to learn what we're doing. And I think it's important to to do. Mm -hmm. If it's something you're passionate about and we both love it, I'm going to share it. In good taste. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel yes. like if you're smart about it, you're really not going to have a problem. There's always, and we know some people that have been targeted unfairly because if you do get a big enough following, it yeah. does make some people feel some type of way about it or maybe even jealous about it or want to shut it down. So sometimes people end up with a target on their back for those reasons. But if you don't, if you've never given them anything, they really have nothing to go after you for. Mm-hmm. If you've never yeah. filmed at work, you don't show your badge, you don't identify where you work, nothing that you do is distasteful or offensive. They can be mad and they can want to pursue it. But at the end of the day, they're going to fall flat because they really can't get you on anything. So mm-hmm. just always be smart about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And it's just remembering that like the algorithm doesn't it's not only showing you to nurses, right? It's going to show you yep. to everyone when you first post something. So you just have to keep that in mind because I think that they're, I, I agree. I think nurse, I think healthcare professionals as a whole 1000% belong on, on social media, but you just have to remember that your audience isn't always going to be mm. the people that you're trying to target. Yeah, for sure. I I, that's, that's really good, good advice yeah. when people even do jokes that are kind of aimed at the, the, ick, patient. the patient. Icks. I'm like, you're going to make Ugh. bad. Like, if it's just in your own little healthcare circle, we all find humor in things that we all relate to. But again, know your your audience There's, is not just healthcare, and other people are going to see that and be like, "Wow, this is what my healthcare team thinks about me." Yeah, and there's a reason why really all those off-cutting. memers are private now. You know what I mean? Like we keep that stuff. It's in in house. There's in house and there's break room, and everyone should have the ability to talk with their comrades, and like we all can have relatable moments. Like, and that's, laugh and, and joke laugh and, and joke and have moments. But yeah, I agree with that. But be careful. Anything you put out publicly, yeah. your patients and the public can see and judge your profession based on your contents. Yeah, absolutely. I also yeah. do love with- the aspect. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I. I mean, I can recall times when I've made a video that was just like a little jokey video and then someone will comment and be and it'll be like a previous NICU parent or something and they'll be like, hey, like this isn't really something to joke about. I didn't really appreciate this. And I'm, I've, I, d- I would delete the video because yeah, 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 that's not yeah. what I'm I here for. That. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like it is interesting because Dr. Grunge, she, Betsy Drunk, she came on and she mentioned that as a spinal surgeon that she's like, we're learning sometimes you post things and you think this is how I see it or perceive it. And then 
you, then all of a sudden it gets seen a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that conversation. It's great. We're learning. We're unlearning. We, you shift, you maneuver. I have posted things as well where I realized the tone of how I was talking. I didn't like that in myself and what I was, what I I've edited things you've said on here. Yes. I was like, "Mm." yes. And when it's, it's learning, right? It's like, oh, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. What, how I said that it was condescend. I, for me, I've learned what I like and not don't Mm -hmm. like to put out there. And so anyway, long story short is I love that. And I think also battling misinformation. I do think that's a great thing for all of us to be doing together collectively to help provide good education and good resources and be a reliable source and accessible. We're taking down those barriers. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Tia. This is going longer than I thought it was going to. We have, have, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole nother episode. We keep saying this. I'm like, but you are so fabulous. Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks so much for inviting me, guys. I mean, I love the podcast and I've been following you both for a really long time. So it's this is exciting for me. No, we're excited to have you here. I mean, it's like our favorite topic. I know. It's our roots. I know. Yeah. Where can everyone find you on all your socials? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm on TikTok and Instagram under the same name. It's at that nurse here. Well, thank, well, thank you. you. This was so amazing. Much, Absolutely. Everyone needs to go check you out. And if I'm sure anyone who wants to be a future nurse leader, reach out to Tia. And if you have questions for her, I know you'll be a great resource. Definitely. Thanks so much for saying that, guys. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you. It was honestly so fun to just talk about NICU stuff again. Because that'll always be my roots. I know. Like my home. I it's, love. Like I'll never do it again. 100%. Don't get me wrong, but like I loved it. So it was like really cool just being able to get like deep dive. I love talking about it with you because it's hard being on this side of our life and thinking back to like the good old days. Like we had 10 years ago, 10 years 11, ago. Year, 11 years ago for me. Wow. We had such a unique and special beginning with our unit, with our people. Like I miss, I do miss those days. And Things have changed so much. Nurses have moved on to new jobs. Some have become nurse practitioners. Some moved out of the state. Some. Oh so we we it's really fun to kind of do that, and it is nostalgic. And I I love episodes like this for us because it it lets us do a little. But I will be biased and say NICU is the best unit yeah, ever, hundred percent, or CVICU. P. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> still, it's still NICU. Love it for us. Still NICU. Okay. Yes. Thank you, you guys, for listening. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you drop Miss Tia a DM. Let her know what you thought of this episode. Like, did you learn something? Did you take away something? We love it when you guys reach out to the guests and let them know. Like, it's a really cool little thing to the power of the selfie fam. We love this for us. Yes. And thank you guys for being here with us. Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. You can find all the goodies and links there in the bio for you. And thank you for all your reviews. If you drop a review on Apple Podcasts, just leave your IG handle so we can reach out and send you free stuff. Absolutely. Free stickers. Yes. And five stars on Spotify. Thank you. Love thank you. Mean you. it. And a free way to support the show. So thank you very much. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hastamento with two A's. And we'll stay tuned for some fun mm-hmm. bonus. Absolutely. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye.